welcome to the Independent Artist Podcast, sponsored by the National Association of Independent Artists. Also sponsored by Zapplication. I'm Will Armstrong, and I'm a mixed media artist. I'm Douglas Sigworth, glassblower. Join our conversations with professional working artists. Hello, hello, everyone, independent artists. Welcome back to the show. Welcome to the pod. Welcome back to the hamster wheel, Douglas. Nice to see your face here. Hope you uh, had hamster. a great weekend. I thought we were off the hamster wheel. What are you talking about? <laughs> Have you seen our schedules? Jesus Christ, man. I've got like 10 days to make, what, 70 pieces or something insane? I don't know if that's going to happen. Good for you. You're trying to gear up for Denver, right, Cherry Creek? <laughs> No, even sooner than that, I got Des Moines. Wow, I forgot. Yeah, I'm not doing Des Moines this year. I will miss you there, my friend. Uh, But I will see you in Denver. I might not be doing Des Moines either. I'm having a really hard time. I've been, Mm. we got back from Old Town and now I've got a pinched nerve in my neck from the status of these feet walking on these braces has thrown the whole alignment off. Yeah. You know, that happens with athletes a lot, too. Not that we are athletes, Douglas, but... I used to be. <laughs> yeah, far from uh, that now. Right. But a pitcher gets bone spurs in his elbow, and he starts throwing a little bit differently, and then all of a sudden his back is out of whack, so... Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, it's I step down differently now because of how my feet are being held together. And it has now thrown my back into spasms and whatnot. So I only bring this up because, you know, physical issues are such an exciting topic to talk about on the podcast. Man, seems like everybody's dealing with one, though. Exactly. There's so many people I know with having hip surgeries and knee replacements and all this kind of stuff. And it's how do we maneuver this life that we live while handling life, you know, and yep. it's it, getting older and all that stuff. Yeah. You get super excited for Des Moines and then realize you you can't lift your hands over your head. I was in the studio yesterday and just walking across the studio holding the blowpipe. It We had to stop blowing. I didn't sleep last night. Can't blow today. It's like, how do you adapt to that kind of thing when you need many full days in the studio to get done what you need to get done? But we'll see what happens. We'll see. Raise your prices. Sounds like a supply and demand issue. Sounds like like it could be a good problem to have. Well, (laughs) I don't want to be a bragger, but I did raise the prices and Chicago missed me. So uh, uh, that was kind of a fortuitous event for sure. Oh, boy. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. A really nice uh, Chicago. How was how was Chi-Town for you this week? Uh, it was great. Chicago is always solid for me. I always always love going to, going back there. I have a nice following. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, segueing into our talk today with Dolan and Allie Marie, I actually followed some of the advice that I'd gotten from them. So mm-hmm. that show may have a little bit more legs than it has in the past. Gotcha. I got all of the names of my B-backs. I've got all of my contacts. And so uh, it's kind of a little, little teaser. It is uh, a teaser because, yeah, listening to their episode, it's like a master class in marketing and branding and all that stuff. They're very open and sharing about their techniques, what works for them. Yeah, definitely. And I, it's already started to pay off for me. I feel like a lot of these talks, Doug, we throw a lot at you and our guests will kind of throw a lot at you mm-hmm. and you'll kind of see what sticks. And you certainly don't have to follow everything that the guests are doing. You don't need to get overwhelmed with something that somebody might be suggesting. But if you get a little tiny glimmer of, of, of something that sticks with you, it's almost mm-hmm. like a I don't know, reading a good book and, and one sentence might might stick with you the rest of your life. So yeah. I, I feel like there are a lot of little pearls in there that you could pick and choose from, even if you you choose not to use every aspect of the talk. Yeah, I mean, 
we have so many commonalities amongst ourselves as a group, but we're not necessarily this homogenous group where we all approach our business models the exact same way or we create the same way. So I think with anything, we do find some, we find inspiration from each other, but it isn't a, an all or nothing kind of thing. We don't need right. to follow each other's business model in order to feel like we're doing it right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I absolutely do. I feel like there are things that, you know, things that we talk about in the interview where this is Dolan and Allie Marie's business model, where mine differs a little bit. And I made kind of a jab mm -hmm. about, hey, if you're going to sit there in your chair and not dress up or not do this or not do that, it's like, well, you know, maybe that's somebody else's business model and that works for them. So it's mm -hmm. like you said, it's not an all or nothing. So I don't want anybody to get turned off by the by thinking they have to do it all one way because there are many, many different ways that we all run our businesses. Well, here on the front end of their talk, I just want to kind of say, I think maybe the end of our talk will be a little longer this time because there are a bunch of things they talk about that I'd mm. kind of like to come back to and address, or maybe we'll end up talking about it next week. But just for maybe some people who kind of cut off a little quick or something before the end of the episode, maybe stay tuned to the end just to see, you know, kind of our takes on some of their techniques. We don't want to spoil what they're going to talk about here on the front sure. end of their yeah. talk. It is, yeah, yeah, it is a longer talk uh, this week. And it, you get two for the price of one. You get the business aspect and you get the art aspect and yeah. really the art of business. But So it does go a little bit longer. Our good friend Oscar is going to have to segment this one into four <laughs> separate episodes so we can get through it. <laughs> Oscar, I love you, Oscar. But uh, <laughs> you can hit pause and come back to it, my friend. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> You can. I've been dealing with him this week. He's got, a, got himself a, a fine business in in chicago he comes highly recommended by the gallery that i use up there oh right he's doing uh installation work up there so has parlayed his photography business into an installation thing that's really been taking off oh, it's cool. really good work if you can if you can get it i feel like we all need those all a lot of these um well you guys too would, yeah would, how nice would it be to just hand it off, pay somebody to do it? You know? Well, you know, uh, that's a good point you brought up because we had a really interesting story come up this weekend at the last show. And we do these collections of pieces that we hang on the wall for people. And it really is a daunting thing once you get beyond three pieces of glass, how people oh, are yeah. going to mount them and hang them because they're like, I like them, but I can hang a painting that is centered over a mantle that is this much inches above the mantle and centered. That's That seems a little easier for some folks than oh, yeah. to be like, well, how do I factor in the reflections of the glass? Where do I position the pieces so that the negative space all looks good? So if we throw in that, hey, we'll come and hang it for you, that pretty much send somebody who's on the edge over the edge and, and makes the sale. So Definitely. yeah, we had one of those this weekend. Yeah, that is absolutely a, a huge thing for me too. People will be like, well, how would I get it home? Mm -hmm. And then that's where the conversation switches to, I am delivering it. Not like, I'm not even saying, well, delivery is an option. I just start saying, well, where am I taking it? Mm -hmm. I'm like, you bought a nice piece of artwork. I already start talking about it in the past tense, like they've already bought it. Yeah. And it also seems like it's kind of understood that they, it's not like an imposition that for you, that's exactly. part of the package or something. Right. I mean, like you just bought a nice piece of artwork. Why would you carry it? Make the, make the train monkey carry it. <laughs> I'll <laughs> sing you a song. You. <laughs> yeah, you, you like Billy Joel? I'll sing you, I'll sing you a tune. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, it's a good thing. How did your, uh, your install go? It went really 
really well. And actually, I have kind of two little components to this this story I wanted to talk about. The first is these people came to the booth right off the bat, beginning of the show. They connected to our most expensive piece. We had good conversation about it, but it was the classic, we we like it, we want to walk around and come back. Sure. So right before they left, they had recognized my last name and asked me if I knew somebody with the same last name from a very rural community in Iowa. Turns out it's my first cousin. So oh, nice. well, we have this in common with each other. Who knew? We, we knew each other. So they walk the show, they come back, and I'm engaged in one of those talks that Dolan and Allie Marie are talking about in their talk later about somebody who just wants to shoot the shit about stuff. You're talking to Jimmy. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so once this collector comes back that you feel like, okay, this is their second time, they're probably serious. Mm-hmm. I start inching my way over to them and kind of giving the nod and eyes to the people who are just talking about nothing. I'm moving on now. And they keep wanting to talk to me (laughs) and they're following me. (laughs) And it's like, I realize it's as irritating as it is as a salesperson and an artist. But if I turn to them and dismiss them in a rude way, then the people I'm trying to sell to see that and that can be off-putting. So that is such a tough situation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that brought me to another thing. I've been defining those conversations and uh, it it actually kind of came to me during Fort Worth when they bring they bring a group of kids and several of the kids are severely autistic or on the spectrum, Mm -hmm. some Asperger's kids, some other uh, disabilities. And they're bringing this whole group around. And I love engaging with those kids. Mm -hmm. But something kind of hit me. It's like, well, a lot of times with the Asperger's, you with with the Aspergers with the and diabetes. <laughs> no, it, when the, a lot of times with Aspergers, the thing is that they don't pick up on social cues. For sure, right. So I started doing this thing where I'm like, I was actually doing them a favor, and they kind of recognized it in their head. And I'm like, okay, well, our conversation is over now, so I'm going to go over here and talk to them. It was really nice having you in the booth. And they're like, okay, thank you. That helped them to transition. It was really clear. Yeah. I was like, here's the end of the talk. I really loved talking to you. Do you feel like shaking my hand? Here it is. And it it was very clear. So I started using that with some of the other things. And I'm like, hey, uh, you know what, Jimmy? I just had this customer come back and they've been talking about this piece over here. If you'd like to listen to, you know, not even me like, let me talk to these guys for a minute if that's okay with you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And just be kind and define the conversation. And it's it's like, I don't know, I feel like a lot of times we are so passive um, that it's helpful to define it for folks. Yeah. And I mean, these guys were past customers, but they were clearly past customers that weren't going to become future customers that we know we were we were reliving some past memories. And so Another thing like Dolan and Allie Marie talk about, we form these connections with customers like they think of us as family and we think of them as family and whatnot. So, yeah, right. You kind of you have to make it really clear, like, oh, it's really nice. Thank you for coming. <laughs> and then we'll like, hey, exit. Let's, yeah, here's, here's a new relationship I have to start. <laughs> That's right. you know? Well, this new relationship, actually. So I told you how he knew, recognized my last name and knew my father's side of the family. As I'm telling this story to my family online. It turns out we're actually third cousins, this new collector. Nice. He's related to me on my mother's side of the family. Okay. By like two or three generations away. So we're third cousins. And 
that also, I guess, tells you what a small community my relatives all come from. If you know, know them on one side of the family and related on the other side of the family. Welcome to the Midwest. <laughs> so anyway, but we we you know in this business. When we say we're sending people home with our work as kind of an artifact of their experience with the artist, this added so much meaning to the piece that they had already purchased and committed to, to find that out after the fact. So that was kind of fun. You know, we left the show with that that nice sale, but then that nice experience on top of it. Yeah. That's really nice. Those kind of connections are, are kind of what it's all about. Um, yeah. That's um, why we do the in-person thing, for sure. Yeah. It's why I, I, I don't want to let go of the shows. You know, we talk about diversification in this episode quite a bit. And mm-hmm. that topic has come up with, with uh, both, you know, Marjolyn Vanderhart and Chris Dahlquist and talking about uh, how do we extend past the art show. And these guys talk about that as well. And, and uh, I don't want to lose that part. It's kind of my favorite part is connecting with, with the customers and meeting new, new people. Right. As we've learned from all of these talks. There's so many benefits we get from having customers putting eyes on our work. You know, it helps us to evolve the work quickly. But then some of these talks that we're having are also identifying these industry shifts that are happening. For years, this was the only model for a lot of artists. And then COVID happens and we're finding other ways not to replace the shows, but to expand off of the shows and how we can continue that process. So I'm really glad this was kind of a good timing for this talk with with Dolan and Allie Marie, because we kind of organically craft the order of these talks based on what's kind of happening with with us personally and, you know, in our in our own practice. And that kind of came in at a really good time. Yeah, it's like it's like good comedy, uh, good comedy. And they circle back and do a recall. Uh, it's a it's a nice little recall as it jumps back and revisit some of the things that we did in the, the first couple of uh, I don't know, first handful of episodes. And at a different point in time, because yep. you remember back when we talked to Chris Dahlquist and Marjolin about other revenue streams and means of selling our work. We were all shut down. We weren't even out on the road. We were still in our studios trapped. And it was yeah, almost... Yeah, I mean, Marjolin was stuck in another country. For sure. Not stuck. That's where she lives. She lives in Canada. Yeah. It's not like it's Timbuktu, but... Um, the border yeah, was not was... allowing her into the U.S. Right. Good good thing. Keep those Canadians away from us, man. <laughs> Keep them oot. They're O's and they're... Yeah. Keep oot. <laughs> Nicely done, sir. <laughs> no, we, we, we love those Canadians, especially the Canadian snowbirds. They bring the loot. <laughs> they do. The loot they to do. Florida. I was walking, you know, talking about Dolan and Allie Marie. I was walking past their booth during loadout uh, at Cherry Creek. It was like five or six years ago. Okay. I'm walking down the street and he's like, what size cowboy boots are those? I'm like, uh, 12. And he's like, you want some black ones? I'm like, I absolutely want some black wow. ones. He's like, take these uncomfortable pieces of shit and get them out of here. And he's just joking. I'm like, all right. So I take them. They're, they're nice looking black boots. I, uh, I wore them at my next show. And I know Michael Schwegman is sitting here over here listening. And he's like, he doesn't believe in luck. He doesn't believe in, in, in whatever. Right, right. But I wore those uncomfortable pieces of garbage on my feet during that entire show. I'd never made more money in my life. They were your lucky boots. <laughs> <laughs> they were the money I text, boots. I felt like I had Superman's cape on. <laughs> I texted uh, Allie Marie. And I'm like, look, if Dolan uh, pulls a really bad show or whatever, um, I can I can send you these boots right. back. She's like, 
I think we're good. So I think the moral of the story is if Dolan offers any of his uh, lucky garments to anybody walking <laughs> by, take them because there's money yeah. in that shit. <laughs> if, he, if he whips his cowboy hat into the crowd at the end of the show, <laughs> snag that thing. Fight for it. Fight for that drumstick, baby. I love it. You know, you mentioned heading off to Des Moines, yeah. and uh, I really like the kind of switch that Stephen King brought to that show, where it's just what is it, just two D and three D? Is that how he how he right? The categories it? aren't broken down into finer points. It's it's basically the two broader categories, three D or two D. Yeah. Okay. But even that, I feel like with like Matthew Nafsker, Matthew Nafsker has jewelry. And if he juries in with jewelry, he also makes these incredible objects that act right. almost like vessels to his, you know, it's all part of this narrative that right, he's created. Right, I totally love, yeah, everything he makes has is, is got that, yeah. that kind of vision, whether it's jewelry or sculpture, yeah, for sure. And you step right into his vision. As right. soon as you go into the booth, it's all part of it, mm -hmm. from his display all the way to the objects and the things, and it's like, I remember him getting caught for having sculpture in his booth when he had juried under jewelry, and oh. I thought it was a really misguided directive as far as, like, the show was concerned. Like, you're not allowed to have this. Okay. Like, yeah, but, but but look at look at the the way that the vessel carries the thing to the the other piece and it's part of it and how but it visually I, I mean we understand the reasoning behind it obviously do we oh the reasoning behind uh micromanaging <laughs> the the work at the show eh. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't know that I do. Well, but go ahead. I, I think the in theory, it's to to keep the quality up so people don't jury in with high level work and then show up with other stuff. I mean, we talk about cheaters all the time. I think that's right. the intention behind it. But it really does stifle the creativity a bit when when you're able to branch out and bring something really cutting edge that still fits into your style, but it doesn't yeah. match your jury images. I guess that's the point. I, I really don't think that like, okay, if I started selling jewelry mm -hmm. in my booth, mm -hmm. I've juried in with 2D, I'd get run out on a rail. Right. Well, <laughs> jewelry absolutely is one of the very most competitive. It, it's super competitive. As Deb Adelson said in her episode last year, she said anybody who puts a pin on the back calls it a brooch and calls himself a jeweler. So it is kind of of a broad category, and it does need to have a discerning eye in the jury room. Absolutely, it does. And, and you know, I, I do understand not letting a sculptor show jewelry, but then what if it's like, you know, can the jeweler show a jewelry box? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, is where are we where are we draw on the line there? I I just feel like if there's a certain quality to it, I understand that the hard and fast rules uh, there there are we're artists, yeah. so it's a uh, there are loopholes, I guess. I had a really intentional or not intentional. Yeah, I had a really interesting conversation at a show recently with uh, Michael Gard about this very topic. Michael does these beautiful uh, dancing wire sculptures that are in the air. Oh, yeah, I love Michael. Really he's identifiable style and work. Well, he's come up with a whole new body of work that he's excited about, too. They're wall hangings, mixed media. I believe they're called mandalas, but I might be saying – I might be describing them wrong. But anyway, they're super, super, super cool. But he expressed the frustration with – with coming up with new body of work and showing the new work because inherent in the creation of new work is the audience feedback. But getting the new work into a show can take almost a year to like make the work, photograph the work, apply to the show, right. show the work to get that feedback. And I can totally relate to that struggle of not being able to show something that you're just, you know, kind of a departure from your from your other stuff. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I, I do. I do have some new work myself, and I just I threw it in the booth, and you can clearly tell that I did it. Yeah, it's kind of like what we get in with with Dolan. It's like Dolan's work, whether he's making a buffalo head out of old mm-hmm. baseball mitts, or whether he's doing a, a a painting basically out of collage with actual paint. You can put it side by side, and it still looks like the same experience. Yeah. It's still part of his vision and part of his voice. And you can tell, and that's one of the things that I mentioned that was not just, uh, it kind of came off as just a compliment, but it is like, it's, it's a, it's a booth. It's a presence. It's a, it's a, a whole thing. And a lot of us do that. And I think my work, I don't know what I have found is that my new work still looks like me. So it, it flies. For sure it's you. I mean, it's a different subject matter. Um, right. And you 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 have work that has kind of Western themed or rock and roll themed, but it all has a synergy to it. Or we all do, yeah. you know? I mean, we're trying. Yeah. We're trying. It, and it, it's like when Nafsker has his uh, his objects and his, his jewelry, you can still tell it came from the same twisted mind. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Well, uh, speaking of twisted minds, should we jump into this conversation with uh, Dolan and Allie Marine? We should, but I don't know if they're twisted minds. I think they're very organized minds. Okay, that was a stretch. Okay, Dolan, that was a stretch (laughs) at a segue. I'm sorry. No (laughs) twisted mind there. That's okay. I shouldn't call you on it. It's a great talk, and let's let's get right into it. All right. Well, here is Dolan and Allie Marie Guyman from Denver, Colorado. This episode of the Independent Artist Podcast is brought to you by Zap, the digital application service where artists and art festivals connect. Well, I've been getting notices from shows this week that I need to jump on and pay for my booth, but I'm not at home at my desk. So I really enjoy that I'm able just to flip open my phone. (laughs) Flip open your phone? Do you have a flip phone, Doug? And and does Zap work on your flip phone? Because that's impressive. But I turn on my phone, I log into Zap, and I'm able to buy my booth right there on the spot, and I can make sure I get that double booth or that corner booth I'm looking for and I don't get stuck somewhere I don't want to be. Quit talking about double booths because if those shits are sold out by the time I come to get to them I'm going to be mad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I sure do appreciate that with Zap we're able to keep up on our business with the shows on the road using our mobile device. Hey, welcome to the podcast you guys. Thank you so much. I've got uh, Dolan and Allie Marie Guyman here, uh, both parts of an amazing business here and, and uh, differently run, I think, than a lot of artists uh, and partnerships run the art businesses, uh, which is what we kind of wanted to talk about today. Sweet. Great. Um, Thanks yeah. for having us on, man. I really appreciate it. Dolan, you're the art part. There's no jealousy on that end with you, Allie Marie. You have the you have a completely different business. Yes, I think that that uh, division of labor is something very unique to us. And I feel like a lot of our colleagues on this circuit kind of uh, each do a little bit of both. And so it's a, I think it's a little interesting trajectory that we've been on where we just um, not only with the really obvious factor of just like Dolan is the literally the one physically creating the art. But I think even from uh, day one, there were just like even other arenas that we just really made sure to delineate, you know, who yeah. does, you know, ultimately the the writing or is like the first point of contact with our customers or like who has final say on pricing and stuff like that. So those are just some things that we've always made sure that we establish who does what, because I think in having a partnership in both marriage, you know, life personally and in work, it's been very important right. that uh, we establish those things. Do you find yourself being more of like, 
are you the boss? <laughs> is what I'm trying to get at. Are you? Are you I, she absolutely a, is. I mean, and and yeah. it's funny, like we, <clears throat> I'm just going to jump right in here. Yeah, please. Yeah, not go for not it, the boss, but jumping in. Um, yeah. For like a number of years, you know, like my name's on the business. Like it's Dylan Guyman Inc. Right. You know, and for a number of years, I was kind of like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of the boss. Maybe. I don't know. And <laughs> but, but, but knowing also that like, all the decisions that we made, like all the financial decisions, everything on the back end, like Alan Ray was basically making all those decisions and setting us up for success in that way. And, right. and, and about, I don't know, a couple of years ago, we kind of had like a, I don't want to say like a head to head, but you know, like we were just like, ah, we were having like a really busy period and it was like a lot of some things were happening and there was like some frustration going on or whatever. And, and I was like, I think I, we both kind of realized at the same time, but I was kind of like, I'm not the fucking CEO. Like, you're the CEO. That's your job. Like, yeah. I can't do this stuff. I'm horrible at it. I, and I, I come, came to the realization. I was like, I'm really bad at doing a lot of these things that I'm pretending to do. Like, yeah. I don't know, some admin stuff, some email stuff, you know, man, oh, technology. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, it's, it's the, uh, it's the part that none of us really want to do. And, right. um, Allie Marie is doing that part. She is kind of the CEO, you know, she really is, is putting it all together and, or, or yeah. am I wrong? No, you're you're correct. That's right. Yeah. She, she definitely is. And and the other thing is that if something's like not going right, or if I'm butting my head up against something, I'm like, okay, well, maybe the reason this is not going right or not working really well is because like this is not what I'm really good at. Yeah. Like this is not the thing that I'm meant to be doing. Like I, it's it's not under my umbrella. I'm stepping out from under that umbrella, and that's why I'm getting soaking fucking wet because I'm like. Get back under there. Get back in the realm where I can really do great things. Right. Know 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 my talents. Know know my areas of expertise, and then the areas where she's able to really crush it. Like just let her handle that, and just know that like have the confidence to know that she's gonna do great at that. That's she's a she's a no fail person. She will not let something go until it's like okay, this is the way it needs to be. Right. So, and there's an art in that too. I mean, it's huge to have that on your side. I mean, both of you guys, I mean, it's like to have him as the person you promote too, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's incredible. Really. Well, she's, not, mean, she's not cheap. I'll just say that. Okay. Let's just get that out there. Okay. I mean, no. very, Whatever. very pricey. Always the new car, you know, new Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Anybody that knows that knows that that's, that's not true. Hello. Absolutely. <laughs> you guys are, uh, okay. So let's, um, I want to rewind a little bit and kind of figure out where, where this kind of came together. I'll, I'll do a little quick, a little like pre, pre-story story, but Please. like, um, I was bouncing around in Virginia and like a lot of, I think this is important for people to know too, like, you know, everyone has those like little struggles to their story, right? So for a lot of artists, a lot of times the questions we get asked by like up and coming artists or people that are endeavoring to do some creative uh, entrepreneurship or something like that, they're always like, well, how did you get started? You know, and a lot of like really hard work at the beginning and still hard work now, but like a lot of, a lot of struggling. So when I got out of college, I was expecting someone to come up and hand me a job or like be like, of course, you know what? You're talented. We want you come yeah. on in here, Mr. Here's, the a suit and here's a cigar, you know? <laughs> and, um, and it was not that shockingly. Yeah. And, um, I struggled. I ended up working for a number of people who took advantage of me and like, didn't pay me any money. And I was like, that's fine. It's okay. I'm still doing what I like to do. I'm not making any damn money. Yeah. Um, and then I was living on the street and then living in abandoned spaces. And that was kind of where I was able to save money not having to pay rent or eat wow. food. You know? this is in <laughs> Chicago? This was in before I went to Chicago. I was in Virginia. Okay. And so I, I actually met up with 
one of the most talented artists I've met in my entire life, Leo Charre. He's actually still creating art. He's on he's on Instagram. Um, yeah, he's amazing. He's a super amazing dude. So I lived with him. We we actually met uh, in Charlottesville. I was on the street selling stuff, and and he and his wife at the time came to me, and they were like, you know, what the fuck are you doing, man? And I was like, who are you guys? I'm selling art. Get out of my face. Like, you're here. <laughs> right. you're, you know, don't bother my customers. And he was like, no, what are you doing? What is this? You know, and unbeknownst to me at the time, like they had just graduated from a really great school in Boston, and um, and we're like living on the street, and so we kind of met up and had this little group and we would, we lived in this abandoned warehouse and like made art together and then came out and sold it on the street together. And we're really just trying to like figure something out. We put a few gallery shows together and we're kind of making a little bit of money. And then my uncle saw some of the stuff that I was doing. And he's, he's like a philanthropist, like art collector. And, and okay. he, he's, he had seen some of the stuff at my mom's house you know, over Christmas or something like that. And he was like, what, what's going on with this? And I was like, Oh, well, I'm living in this abandoned building and just making art and you know, whatever. I'm trying to be an artist. And he was like, you need to go to Chicago. And I was like, I don't like cities, man. I don't know if you've seen my wardrobe, but these bib overalls don't work too well in the, on the streets. And he was just like, no, you should go. And he's like, tell you what, I'm going to buy this painting from you. And then why don't you take that money and go buy a plane ticket and come to Chicago and visit wow. me. So I did that and I visited him and he was like, tell you what, how about I set up? And this is like the thing of like, this is where I got help. So he yeah. was like, how about I set up an art show for you in my apartment in downtown Chicago and I'll invite like a handful of friends and I'm sure they'll all buy your work and then maybe you can use that money to move to Chicago. That's it was super incredible. generous, you know? Yeah. So, so I was like, okay. So like a couple months later I did that. I went to his apartment. I made as much work as I could make in a couple months. Um, very motivated. Came there, sold a handful of pieces had like a couple grand in my pocket. So the next day I drove back to Virginia, loaded up my crap from the abandoned warehouse and drove straight back out to Chicago and then just moved there. That was wow. it. That was the decision. And then a week later or a couple weeks later, I met Allie Marie. Um, literally. I had just gotten there. I moved into an abandoned building there, set it up as a quote-unquote gallery. no way. Dude, <laughs> and Allie Marie's in the abandoned. Did you catch him? And he's he's like, Abandoned building phase? Like, is this... Yeah. How old are you guys at the time? So Dawn's three years yeah, well, older than me, not yeah. younger. And so I was 21. Okay. So yeah. you were know, just like kids. 20. We were yeah. kids. Like, yeah. Making great decisions. Right. Making... <laughs> not, and not turned off by the, uh, the, the handsome homeless kid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I was living on the south side of Chicago and he was on the north side. That could take up the entire podcast, yeah. convincing me to go to that first, that opening that he had, that we met, this fortuitous, supposed gallery show. I'd also never been gallery. to a gallery. The, the it was a gallery, over, but I had never been to a gallery. painted on the house said gallery. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But I roll up at what looks like a, just everything you would expect, yeah. you know, and like a rickety door, a dark hallway, no bulb. Like, I'm like, <laughs> this is not what I thought a gallery was. I was like, maybe it is. I've never been to a gallery show in my life. Right. I have no idea what that even is. And we met and uh, drove back down to the South side eventually that night. And then I packed up and moved in with him on Saturday the next day. Wow. Yeah. That's, you know, just straightforward. Good decisions. Yeah, Good but, I mean, decisions. it was, you had an instinct, right? It's, it's worked out. Yeah, it's worked out. And uh, it's interesting because I had a conversation with a, somebody new in my life, like a new friend is very different trajectory. Everything about his life is so different from my own. And he, he asked me yesterday, like, because I'm somebody that really, uh, I push people away. It's very hard to get to know me. Huh. And he uh, he asked me point blank, he's like, what was it about Dolan that penetrated that barrier so quickly? 
And I just said, it's like, it was, it was his passion. Like it was infectious. Yeah. And somebody that had that sort of passion for what he was doing very much appealed to me. Cause I just, I live life with that sort of mantra as well. I mean, mine manifests through work, you know, I'm very intense with what I do, but I yeah. saw that level of intensity and it was just sort of like, you can jump on that train with him or probably there's not going to be a relationship because the art and Dolan went hand in hand. Right. And there was, there was no question about that. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's uh, when I first met you, I mean, that's what I, I noticed to Dolan. I mean, it's just kind of, I mean, you're, you're a creator and you're, you're, you're making things out of a number of different things all yeah. at once uh, yeah. too. There, you're kind of hitting it from, you know, it's like, well, I'm a painter. I'm a, a collage artist. Yeah. I'm a sculptor. I'm doing this. Uh, don't pin me down. <laughs> Just, yeah. Yeah. Don't pin me down. I think that, and that's funny that you mentioned that too. Is like, I feel like that was the, one of my biggest struggles talking about another struggle, but that was like a, a really big uh, struggle too. And I think a lot of artists go through that, right? Where, where everyone wants your stuff to look the same so they can kind of put you in a category and know what you are, you right. know? And I think that was what was really liberating too about meeting Alan Reed. And she was just like, this is interesting. What are you working on? Whatever. And then after a while she was like, well, it doesn't really matter what you're working on. Cause I'm going to promote it anyway. Just right. like, you know, give me the information that I need to know. And I'm just going to make sure that like this doesn't fail ever. Yeah. And that's like, I had never met anybody like her who was like, yeah, well you want to do this. Great. You know, it's like, we're, you're around those artist communities and everyone's kind of like, yeah, man, it's great. Oh yeah. That's like, it's really cool. Yeah. We should have a show. And, and then you have a lot of people that just talk a lot about stuff, which is cool. It's nice to have those sure. people that are, you know, like a little bit loose and fun and a little bit more, you know, capricious. But like she was the first person that I'd ever met that was like, Oh, you want to do a show at this place? Okay. Well, we need to contact this person, this person, this person. We need to make sure we have this, our ducks in a row for this. And then we need to plan three weeks out for the, 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 and she was already like creating these lists. It's a big list person and, yeah. um, spreadsheets. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's how you get shit done. That's how yeah. it happens. You know, you like make a plan and then you execute the plan. Like you and don't is just that, talk that about has it. to be inspiring for you. Right. I mean, because it's oh, working for both right? of us. I mean, I think it's like, like you said, I think, well, you know, at the kind of the top of the hour, just I think about a, a lot like, you know, my skill set and then how that could be best utilized. And it could have been applied to a very different sort of business and how utterly fulfilling this has been to utilize like the skills that he's identifying. But to do it for, for an artist has been so fun. It's so fun. Definitely. Well, we uh, use Allie Marie as a verb in our house. I don't know if that is <laughs> you're aware. Of. It's like, I just need to Allie Marie the shit and you know, just kind of focus. It's like you are an incredible uh, human as far as like the, the getting all of that stuff done. And I want to hear more about that and like how you guys structure your business, how you kind of approach it too, because I feel like at this point in your career, Dolan, I feel like you just get to create. Is that that true? You just step away from from her her part of of the job. Yeah, mo most of the time that and that that's her goal. Yeah, is to get me to do that because again, like reflecting on my umbrella of tasks, like that's what I'm really good at. Just coming up with an idea. You understand that? We're like come up with Absolutely. an idea and make the make the thing. You know, and um, if we just want to dumb it right down, like just get in the studio, make a thing, and take it out and sell it to people or show it to people or whatever. You know, and and um. Yeah, she's she's doing a, a fantastic job of giving me that, creating that safety zone for me. So where it's like protecting me from like 
you know, out like clients or, or, you know, people that want to do an interview or like someone that's like, Oh, I just got started. Can you talk to me real quick? And then it's like three hours later, you're like, well, um, so yeah, that, that's the goal. That's the goal. Right. Now it doesn't always happen. There's things that you just have to do sometimes where it's like someone wants to talk to me. They don't, they're like, well, maybe I don't want to talk to Alan Marie. I want to talk to Dolan because he's the artist. And she's like, well, I can tell you everything. <laughs> and maybe just cut to the chase a little bit. Yeah. She's the um, firewall. Yeah. She's yeah, kind of, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But that's the goal. That is the goal. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I want to talk about where you guys are selling. I don't see you on the road as much as I used to. It, it, I feel like I yeah. kind of luck into like a one or two times a year. You've definitely cut way back on on the shows. How do you decide where you sell and what your approach is with that? Yeah, so I mean, I think it has been one that we since 2010 when we first did a wholesale show i think is when we really began the multi-prong multi-faceted approach um, in a very serious way and we've just been building all of these different potential revenue opportunities or income models you know be it wholesaling to a brick and mortar store working with interior designers art consultants building our website art fairs, commissions, and then um, even licensing. And so I think for 10 years, we really just were open to all of those and and our website spoke to all of those. And we were just sort of probably spreading ourselves obviously a little too thin in having all of those rolling at the same time, but doing our best to just sort of see what would feel like a long-term model for us, but also, you know, just in my mind was always, we could show up at Fort Worth and there could be a tornado and that, you know, it's like, you can't count on those shows it was always just this thing that was right. playing out in the back of my mind. I was like, it's just too risky because of the, the weather factor or just like, it, there's just so many variables that can go into that. So I knew we needed to diversify. So we diversified, 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 diversified. And then like 2020 hits and we were in a really, really, good position to weather that, you know, and that we could be like, okay, no shows. What does this look like? Well, we have a website, we have an incredible mailing list. We have commission opportunities that have just been sitting there that we haven't been able to pursue. Like, what do we feel like best utilizes our talents maybe best? Like, you know, um, and what, what is that price point? What is that clientele? And so I think we really had that opportunity to dig into that and to start to shift, you know, from away from shows as we had to. But then it's something that I think Dolan realized that for him, he was yearning to do, but we were just too much on the train. As I'm sure I think a lot of us realize like you're just on that train and you can't even definitely evaluate it because it's just you're on to the next show all the time. Yeah. So Dolan, you were yearning like at the time you you wanted to get off the, the train. Yeah, right? I, I that- um I definitely did. I, I, um, I think a big part of that for me was that I wanted to get excited about making work. And like the having time. the space yeah. to make yeah. more complex pieces or to work more uh, intimately with certain clients on actualizing pieces, you know, through the commission process, like go bolder, go larger with some of these pieces, which yes. is really hard when you're like, okay, I can work four hours in between driving Fort Worth to Houston and try to like get a little bit done on this piece. And then I'll come back to it. It's just, it's a really, it just doesn't have the fullest fluidity. level of fluidity. Yeah. yeah. It's a really good way to say it. And I think once we did get off the train, I realized for myself, I, how much I was yearning for that as well for a 
very, very different set of reasons, but how lovely right. it has been to slow down on, on shows. And yeah. We're in a place that we love. We were like in Colorado. We moved here for a reason. That's and amazing. there's just so many people and activities really like that we love here. I mean, Chicago was never really the best fit for us at our, for our souls. Right. So I think leaving for shows all the time made sense. And now we're here and we're like, wait a minute, we love where we live. We love our community here. We love our, the, you know, all the hobbies we have here, but we need to nurture those. Oh, that's amazing. We talked before you moved out to Colorado and I was wondering if you'd been able to access that. I knew that was the goal, but then the busyness, it seemed like you could very easily get stuck not being able to take advantage of, of the things that you love because you're so busy because you had to be, you know, it's this, this constant double-edged sword, this catch-22, where it's like, well, I'm so busy because I live in Colorado and I have to pay for it. That's very real. And I think there was a little bit when we we landed here, we were like, it's amazing. And we were like, you know, squeezing in all these little like early, early evening hikes and stuff like that. But there was that fear of like, holy moly, we just tripled our cost of living. Like from Chicago, yes. and I don't think people realize. Hi, I moved to Santa Fe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, think yeah, I, yeah. I can relate. Yeah. Like, okay, what does this what does this look like? Um, yes, and we knew like there's just certain inequities here. Like we we needed to buy. Like I mean, there there was so few rentals and stuff like that. Like it, whereas in Chicago, it never made sense for us um, to own because the market was so much better. Right. We were just always in these unique spaces off the beaten path. But here we needed to, so we, like we had to go through like home ownership, you know, for the first time and stuff like that that we just did not ever do in Chicago. So that was like another element. But it's happening more and more. I mean, we have to be incredibly. I mean, I, I guess I feel like I have to be incredibly disciplined in my schedule in order to make it happen. Um, you know, it's like yes. I have to get up every morning at five thirty a.m. and just that's how it has to be to squeeze in the things that I want to do. But it's happening more so. so I, I think that's a good, good spot, too, to break out and kind of tell people maybe who don't know us. Um, we come to the studio that we built. We come here every day. We try to get here pretty early between like between 730 and 830 is kind of the goal. Um, and okay. then, So do both of you work from the yeah, same studio? Mm-hmm. or is it Yeah. Emory has an okay. office space okay. and then I have a separate office space and then a bunch of like little areas where I can go make, make things, make oh. the things. Yeah. Um, so nice. we're here every day. We try to take Sundays off and do something outside, but we're here every day. And, you know, and that, and that, that changes sometimes, you know, um, but we, for the, for a very long time have committed to a get up, go to work come home kind of thing. When we were first starting out, we had kind of live workspaces where we were always there and we were always just like working these weird, crazy ass hours yeah. of like work till three in the morning, watch Matlock and then go drink a six pack, <laughs> smoke a pack of cigarettes, go right. to bed at like 7am. And you know, like those very weird and like young, young oh, yeah. things you can do when you're young yeah. and twenties. Yeah, in your twenties. Yeah. But now we, we definitely yeah. just get up, come, come to, come to work. I know, Will, I think you and I talked about that too, a little bit, like, you know, we getting did. that schedule and it's, it's I, like I've always loved that, yeah. and I, I I've got my own space now, and uh, that that goal of getting up and going to work is huge for me. Mm-hmm. Some of the pros we talk to do this too, but it's um that banker's hours kind of mm-hmm. thing that I really yeah. like. I really like getting yeah. up early in the morning and having yeah. my coffee, and then getting off to work, and then yeah. coming home and having you know 
just there's something very pleasurable of just like of having that experience i mean on both sides of it of like uh what what is this you know day gonna what's gonna unfold this day like the yes. excitement of that and yeah. then also like you know i think for us like the coming home like we know we're truly coming home i think we're even getting better and better and better about leaving the work conversation at the studio at that we're hour. trying yeah yeah Here i mean there. That's great. Yeah. Uh, Susie and I have a I have a completely different setup because we're, you know, two different artists doing, right, our doing things, separate uh, going off yeah. and yeah. and coming in and at least talking about a different, you know, she doesn't necessarily know what I'm doing, but you can see it, but yeah. your space is big enough that you can get off and be separate if you need to be. Yeah. Yeah. I th- I think something I wanted to hit on though, just and this is kind of more of an aesthetic thing, but I just I do want to talk about it because I don't know if a lot of other artists go through this, but like like people will ask me a lot of times, they'll say Oh, it's so great that you get to make the art that you love. And, and, and I kind of pause and I'm like, yeah, 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 sort of. Right. Um, I'm not always making things for myself. This isn't, right. this isn't a big, like giant, like pedestal I'm building for myself so I can crawl on the top and, and wave my flag. Like this is like, yeah, I, I am thinking about this as a business all the time. So that's a big turnoff to a lot of younger artists who are like, Oh, but you got to make great art and change the world. And I'm like, well, I'm just trying to like put some food on the table. And be able to have a truck that runs, you know, and it's like, <laughs> right. I'm still in that mindset a lot of times. So, so when I think about creating a lot of times, I am thinking about my client base and I'm thinking about it as a business. Like I'll sell a certain number of, a, let's say it's got an owl in it or whatever, right? Okay. Subject matters now. Like yeah. I'll come back and go, man, we just, those pieces just really moved. And I'll kind of like, I'll talk about it. I'll be like, what do you think it was? Like, what was it about that that people really gravitated to? Was it the fact that it's an owl or is it like the wings are wide or, you know, so I, I kind of like, I've really come back and try to think about those things after a show. And, and, and that, that a lot of times will dictate kind of some of the direction that I'm going in. I kind of let my audience sort of direct some of that, not all the time, you know, but, right. I, but I do, I do pay attention to that. And that's kind of the end goal. Like during the, the, the COVID years, <laughs> I've been thinking more about that. And I'm, I'm kind of going back to a lot of pieces that I sort of sketched out 15, 20 years ago that I didn't have I don't want to say the courage, but because it's not about that, but it's more so like pieces that I was like, the, my audience isn't ready for this yet, you know, okay. and not, not like a, you know, yeah. like circus sideshow where I'm like, I don't know if I can reveal the great, <laughs> the chest tattoo, they're not ready, you know, but it was like, right. I don't think they're ready for this, this piece yet. It's a little more conceptual or I, whatever. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. And so how you've, you've been able to express that a little bit more and I've seen some of your stuff and, and. Yeah, not necessarily getting weird, but uh, I was about to say it's getting a little weird. Good, yeah, yeah. let it get <laughs> weird. Know? And are the uh, people are responding? So here's that? what's happening. Over the years, what we've tried to do is amass this huge mailing list of collectors and clients, and people that maybe mention that they like something or whatever. Alan Marie keeps track of all this. She has day ones. The first day we met, she wrote down the people that came to that very first opening. She has all their info still. So we've got like 20 years of like client data. So what we do is with that data, we'll go back and go, oh, these, you know, 1,500 people mentioned that they liked horses. Well, these 7,500 mentioned that they hate horses and they love cows or whatever. So we'll be like, okay, let's just put horses on hold for a little bit or whatever, you know. <laughs> but but what's happened is over the years, we look at that kind of data. We go back and look at that and I reflect on it when I'm creating something. And what I noticed was I was like, we have a lot of people that are like, if you ever make anything abstract, people I mean, people love to throw this word abstract out. But I think what they're meaning is like, I don't need a subject matter in there. I don't need like the central figure. I don't need the right. owl. I don't need the horse or the cow or whatever. I just want something that like is 
kind of an interesting piece of artwork that, that, that maybe has a little backbone to it. And I can like hang up in my house and feel like oh, it makes me think a little bit. So I kind of went back and I was like, you know, we have a handful of people that are, that now have confidence in, in, in my work, have followed us, maybe have a few pieces, have multiple homes, ideal client. Yeah. And now maybe, maybe this is the time, like we have the audience now. Now I can bring those pieces out that I 20 years ago felt, okay, this is kind of weird. I'm just going to write this down. And, and so what we've been doing is, is I've been periodically kind of like just making these little drops of like, Hey, something new's coming out. Not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Just making sure I say that like, this isn't for everyone. It's kind of a little bit of my like back burner stuff, but I'm bringing it right. out of the archives. And that's also kind of a little marketing tactic, obviously. I'm like, Oh yeah, this isn't for everybody. And then I was like, Oh, it is. It's for me. It's definitely for me. Yeah. I'm different. Yeah, Dolan thinks I'm different. He likes yeah. me now. Yeah. And, and and I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm just saying like that's what you have to do that stuff. You have to think about you how you're marketing it. So I'm, now I'm able to bring out some of these pieces and it's it's like a bittersweet thing too because I'm like, I really wanted to just make that fucking piece 20 years ago. And so people could be like, oh, look at his work 20 years ago. That was really cool. But now yeah. I'm like, well, whatever. Now is when I can bring it out and now is when I have the audience and now is when maybe I can sell this piece because I have the audience that I've worked to like, you know – I've really worked, we've worked hard to like make sure the audience is ready and now I can bring it out. So that's kind of something we've been doing. And I would say the frequency of shows has been critical to that because I think that there is like a, um, there is a cultivation that needs to happen for that to, to have yes. occurred, you know, and, and uh, be it from the way we even just map out the release of these items, the email initiatives that are going to go hand in hand with that. And that was so difficult when we were just show to show to show, because you're just trying to make sure you have enough work for the booth. And it was really hard for me to create a schedule and to be disciplined of like, we're not going to release this piece until X date, because we want to gradually drip it in, have this unveiling of the piece. I think it's really important for these more one-off, just insular pieces. But that really started to take shape as we have slowed down on shows. Like we've been able to do that. And like, you know, we, we work in a sauna. Just this is just a little interesting yeah. tidbit. Everything is within a sauna. And that is like, you know, there's a, a project board now for like some of these pieces because we want to have that sort of intention, like that we reveal them to our to our collectors. Yeah, and on that and on that board, just to break it out, it'll be like, okay you know, June, June 10th, like release the first like yep. sketch of the piece, June 15th, go on social media and, and do a video about like, Hey, I'm working on this, you know, like, so we're really trying to be conscious of being like, Hey, this is a measured approach. We want to, like you like said, like we want to kind of slow drip this piece out, lead into it, build it up, make it feel like a big thing. It's, this is not, you know, this is nothing new. I mean, clothing manufacturers, clothing companies do this all the time. Like Prada, Gucci, they, they, they do the slow drip. They're like, oh, yeah. They do, but this they, is pretty you know. new to artists, I think. I don't think a lot of people do uh, that. And is this mostly, uh, you're dropping it through Instagram? Is that is that how you're doing it? Yeah, mainly through through Instagram. And then also just a couple specific email lists that we started about two, like probably right during COVID, during 2020, we started a separate email list for those people that were most interested in the statement okay. pieces or for the exact body of work that Dolan is describing, the atypical pieces, those individuals get first access. They also get early access to other collections of work. But part of the major reason they're on this list is to get first crack at these pieces and we make a commitment that they will always see these pieces before a show 
So it would like, you know, like we would never just the unveiling is not going to happen to Cherry Creek July 1. We want them to see it first. And so it it just it requires more planning. And that was really hard um, when we had that frequency of shows. But it's feeling more realistic if we have to map it out pretty far in advance. But it's just it's more doable now to do that. And we're seeing a lot of success with that. And it's it's been fun. You know, we just see also collectors from other areas, not necessarily places that we're traveling to, which is which is exciting because of this process. And that's something, yeah. too, that you built out on the website. Is that correct, Omri, where it's like they can, people can... 100%. Yeah. So, I mean, I the website is... Again, I mean, a whole, I, whole separate thing. But, but okay. That's a whole separate thing. Well, I mean, just is, yeah. the, com- the commitment that I've made, I, I, the amount of time that I am working on our website now is increased, you know, tenfold. I mean, I yeah. it's a minimum of like, six to eight hours okay. a week, you know, and that can be both like manual uh, changes to the site, just like uploading new work. But it's really a lot of it is just strategic planning with new initiatives. And we've slowly rebuilt just about every section of our website over the last two years. And we have a developer, obviously like a Shopify developer, yeah. but then we also have a um, UX UI interface designer that I work with. He's out of Chicago, and he and I just do little strategy sessions. He's worked for Abercrombie. Sorry, Joe. I should know that. Um, but and so we just were talking about just and we're doing a lot of A/B testing on the site, heat map reviews, stuff like that. I mean, stuff that just really going deeper and deeper into the site and the experience of users and how the heck you get somebody to buy a ten thousand plus dollar piece through a website. You know, that's a huge and do shift. Those folks have to see you first. Do you think? No, no. And that's the goal, right? Yeah. We want it to be like, like I want it to be the kind of thing where, like, we have good clients. Yeti Cycles. They make these really amazing mountain bikes, and they're they're really pricey. Oh yeah. And, you know, and it's like so for someone to go on there and casually just spend eight, ten, twelve, fifteen grand on a bike. It's like, oh, they have the confidence, you know. So we're like trying to work on that. Like, we want people to be confident when they come to the site. Be like, oh. In a matter of thirty seconds, they can vet us. They can see where we've been. They can see pieces in people's homes or whatever, and they can they can have that that confidence to be like, yeah, I feel fine. So I am glad that you brought that up. I mean, I'm I'm going to go back a little bit and talk about feeling kind of like 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 you're trapped into what your clients want you to sure. to make. I mean, it's like here's I always people are going to be like that that listen to the show or be like here he's going to talk about his his pie chart again, but uh, like I've got this. Bring it, dude. I like Bring pie it. charts. My pie chart is, is like, okay, well, here's what I'm capable. Like this big section of the pie is like, here's what I'm capable of doing, creating as an artist yeah. uh, within that same section of the pie. It's, it's like, here's what I'm creating or willing to create uh, the cells. So it's still within that pie of like what I'm, what I like. And it's like, okay, well, what I like is to do is within that same chunk of pie, what I like to do, what I'm capable of doing and what I'm willing to do. And then also within that is like, okay, what sells? So I'm not ever jumping out of what I'm willing to do and what I'm capable of doing. Um, I'm always, I'm always in that of what I want to do, but I still, as an art show artist, I feel like a lot of us feel like we have to stay within that little piece of the pie. That's like, okay, well, this is, this is the shit that sells. This is what I have to focus on. So it's interesting to hear somebody of your caliber, uh, talking about that too. Well, I I feel like though it's so universal. I mean, think about like, even for musicians, it's just like, you know, and they break out with new work and they're like, play your song. 
what are you doing? We don't want to hear that. Yes, yeah, absolutely. You know? I mean, we just went to see Dylan. Pearl Jam just needed to make one album, yeah. Pearl Jam, just one album. We were done. <laughs> right. Just quit, we saw, you know, Dylan like, did just, his entire new album in its entirety, and we were like, super like, bummed. This is garbage, yeah. Dylan. We're like, well, you should learn how to write some songs. Nobody wants to hear rough and rowdy <laughs> ways. So is it... So, Will, I'm curious, like, because I feel like sometimes the question has been posed to us, like, well, actually, I know a gallerist has said to us, well, that's why you should work with me, because I'm going to create this opportunity for you to show that work that you're describing, you know, that you yes. are capable of, that is in you to, to do. But I feel like we have found that even that, it's a false truth even even there, like, because even the space, it's the space to just create in that way is very very hard to cultivate i mean do you find that to be true i mean it's just like you just don't where is the opportunity to sort of just create for creation's sake you know when you have the schedule the financial demands the business you've built like the collectors that are expecting these this work i mean that's what we found is hard to to find it's almost it's next to impossible to find uh when you're on that on that wheel i think that I'm at a point now where I'm not thinking about it as like a negative thing, right? Like so, so often in the beginning of our careers as artists, like we're, we're under this, I don't know where this, I don't know where this comes from, but it's like the, the idea that, that you should just wake up and just create some piece, just like jerk off on a piece of paper and then hand it to someone. They're like, this is brilliant. And you're like, I, I like, that's, that's not really fair to your creativity. It's not really fair to like, you as a working artist, like I feel like there should be some, some work involved and some, you know, some struggle with, with creating something. And then maybe over the years, like there's a little bit less struggle, but like you're still creativity is like an exercise. It's a workout. Like I feel like you should still be exercising and doing that. Granted, every now and then we, each of us has a, t- a thing where we're like, we make a piece and we're like, well, that wasn't that hard and it looks really cool. Great. That's a win for me. But but leading up to that, you have like 10, 15, 20 years of work that you've been doing that like, you know, leads into that. You've been doing all these exercises. My point being that like, I don't feel that I want to view creating work for a client as something that's like, oh, that's a negative thing or like, that's not the thing that I should be doing or like, oh, you know, you're selling out if you're, well, all those things that happen or that come to us as artists that we get handed to us and a lot of times that, you know, a professor or two will say, oh, well, you know, don't worry about selling it. Just worry about getting your idea out. And you're like, well, that's great, dude. But then I'm going to have all this shit sitting in my apartment, like prop up against the wall that I can show to my <laughs> friends when they come over. Like, no, I want this stuff right. to get out of here. And I want to hopefully make some money on it, you know? Exactly. But also, like, there's two to tango. I mean, we're also, you are interviewing independent artists. Independent artists, those are ones largely that are that are not working within the gallery model. Like, the the collector yes. base, we have an intimate relationship with our collectors. I mean, how many like people consider us almost like family? I mean, like I get Christmas cards from some of our from our collectors. It's and amazing. Stuff. And so it's like inherently, I don't think it's a negative too that 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 dialogue with your collector should be considered a negative thing. I mean, I, I really enjoy Dolan's your point you're making is just sort of that these are important exercises ultimately with these pieces. Like each of these pieces plays a part in the in your compendium of work, but I also think that having that dialogue with with your collector isn't necessarily a bad thing either. You know, like where you are considering their aesthetics and things like that yeah, as well. I wanted to ask you this too. I've been collecting my emails a lot more again over the last like 
eh, three or four years, I really kind of turned it back on. But but it's okay. not too late for for us, yeah. right? I mean, it's not. You guys have been collecting it, yes, uh, since your early twenties. But it's it's not too late for somebody like I don't know who's sitting there listening to it and be like, God, it's another one of these things that's nagging me in order to collect the emails. So I would, and it's like, so I that's know. a good question. A very good question, and I do. I kind of wanted to clarify yeah. like what we're doing with with that information because I think the mantra should be quality yes. over quantity always. I mean, duh, you know. But uh, it, that does not mean we're all our, our singular goal is not just to like get these emails and dump them into the list and then just blast people willy nilly. Like, like for us, what we're doing is making sure that if there is somebody that expressed interest in like, if you have a yeah. horse and a cow, I want those two together. And we are making sure that we can save that and find it through tagging systems. It was essentially what we're talking about. It was like yeah. content management and lead tracking. What to focus on is not just, collecting, 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 like this push of just collecting, but just doing an intentional program of like, how do I want to keep this organized so that I can follow up with these humans when I do create that piece that I'm ready with that? Because I think that is what will be so much more successful. Like the conversion on that will far exceed just like having a thousand email addresses to have 10 really qualified collectors that you know if you follow up with them and do a very personalized message be like guess what he made the piece that's going to work tenfold versus just like a thousand emails you're just blasting we ask a few questions we have we you know ask like what is their favorite piece in the booth and then if like we ask about like what is their favorite subject matter and we save all of that information we we have a thing where it's like are you more interested in prints or are you more interested in originals and that that helps and then now us. also like the subject matter is something that's okay. coming into play more for us. So we can start to just be like, okay, we well, you know, if you're only interested in nature themed or people, like we won't bombard you. I mean, I, this is partially, I think, true for you, Dolan, because your work is so much more diverse, both in subject matter and in medium and stuff like that, that I think it is a little bit important for us I mean, to I'm do all some subfilter. Yeah. Let's be honest. Let's just be honest. <laughs> yeah. But I, and I want to like, I don't, I'm very sensitive yeah. to, making sure that our marketing feels mindful and intentional and that like truly we are providing a service to them that we are just not blasting with information that does not pertain with their, with their image. And I think that is why we've been pretty successful with people continuing on our mailing list for like the 18 years you talked about, because we do a little bit of segmentation and we, we just, try to operate like i said with an intention right with, with that exactly so we get their email to the show sally artist says yep. okay cool um i met joe at the show he's a great dude he said he's interested in like following up with me later loves the work and we will be interested to see what i have coming out new in the fall let's say that right, which okay? is like the most common thing like i'm not oh, quite sure. ready yeah today oh yeah i mean we the, all get that building. i'm not ready today yeah. but i like the work yeah yeah love to, we'd you love know? to follow along where can i find your work Right. And exactly. it's like, then, then I'm like, well, you can look at my website, but I'd also, I'd love to grab your email and just get you in to send out, you know, an email newsletter every now and then. If I have some new stuff coming out, I, I think you'd probably dig it. Let me, let me send that to you. Right. And then, yeah. and then, so Alan Marie, what do you do with that information then? MailChimp is our platform that we use for email marketing. And then within MailChimp, we do a series of diff- different segments. If it's somebody that's just really just generally speaking, they get our monthly newsletter. We keep our frequency at monthly. And I will not okay. change that. I'm not going to ever 
bombard people more than that, that feels like an appropriate level. And then if there's been really specific interests that have been conveyed, those get segmented within MailChimp. They get tagged based on whether they're interested in new work, derivative work, um, owl, stuff like that. I can really quickly pull the Search 15 people. through that, yeah. yeah. And, say, and I can find those people that, like, that asked about or express interest in over the last, you know, three to four years. Like it can't go back like 10 years because probably at this point we've, they're not going to be interested, but like well, the last three, four years. And I can pull those up really quickly when you suddenly create that piece. And then I can market the, to those people specifically. And I think for somebody who's just getting started, who's like, I don't want to get into a sauna just yet or whatever, blah, blah, blah. like you can probably right. create a spreadsheet, go home and like, Let's say you're a yeah, ceramic that's artist. What, that's, you what know, I did. And, that's what I did for years. Yeah. Like, I just did tabs on a spreadsheet just for these different yeah, different right. interests. Yeah, so you could you literally know. be like, I'm a ceramic artist. I sell, you know, let's say I sell a ton of mugs and bowls and, and, and pot, pots, whatever, right? And then all of a sudden you're sold out of your mugs. Every show you seem to sell out. Well, you start getting the names of people that are coming up. Do you have any more mugs left? No, but let me get you on this list. And then you have 50, and that 50 should be, people. That would be its own list. Like own I list. think for yeah. ceramic artists, like mugs, if you are just interested in mugs, like mugs should totally. be its own yeah. email right. list yeah. or marketing list. But if you're like somebody like, you know, Schwegman that like has like these really one-offs more style pieces or wall pieces. And then sometimes he makes some mugs, stuff like that. The, you know, he's a prime example of somebody that I would be like making sure to segment. Right the email marketing and speaking to those different interest sets. Uh, Dolan, you mentioned something about, you know, doing a lot of different things. I'm all over the place. You were just kind of joking, but you have a very defined, as far as I see it, uh, it's a very defined brand. Uh, Like a very, like I, I can see your booth from a a mile away. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, that's Dolan. Dolan's here. You know, how do you create, and I know you're doing that too, Allie Marie, with the, um, with the emailing too. It's all part of that brand. But I feel like when I'm walking into your booth, and I think this is what is a mark, kind of a, a, a mark of a really successful artist, I don't just want to buy a piece of your artwork. I want to hang a piece of your artwork in my home that reminds me of you, that reminds me of the booth, that reminds me of the experience. So you're, it seems very, no, thanks, man. Uh, spe- yeah. it's, it seems yeah. very intentional. Um, yeah. Thank you. Um, uh, yeah. So, so it is intentional. A lot of that comes from early on, you know, I was fortunate that my mom's an artist. She does shows still, wow. not as many, but um, mainly does a lot of shows in Virginia. But like when we were, when I was growing up, I would go to shows with her. And while none of us in my family had any sort of business background, she was very, 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 very much into like how to market okay. yourself, how to put yourself out there, you know, and, and her big thing was always like, you need people to feel like they can look at your work and immediately tell it's your work. There's got to be some signature thing, whether it's like the type of work that you're doing, whether it's the colors that you're using, whether it's. Um, your medium, whether it's, you know, how your display looks, you want to have a signature style, essentially, that, that is your brand. And, and you always want to kind of keep that in, in your mind. And so for her at the time when we were growing up, she was doing watercolors as a little aside, but like she was doing watercolors. And um, in the area that we lived in, in Virginia, like this is like early mid 80s, like everyone was doing watercolor right. landscapes right and it's like the virginia countryside it's really beautiful and, and and but it's like brown brown wooden barn green grass <laughs> blue sky here's your postcard yeah. right and 
And every, every show you would go to, it was like, here's the quintessential Virginia landscape. And she, I remember, you know, yeah, my sister was born. I remember her telling, like talking to me about this. Like when I was like five or six, she's like, I got to figure out a way. I really want to be different than all these other people. And the thing that I think everyone's missing is color. There's no color in these pieces and they're not interesting and exciting. Like she's like, when I go outside, I'm like overjoyed. I love living here. I'm really excited about it. Like how can I make people feel that same energy in the pieces? And she's like, I'm just going to add a shit ton of color. And you know, not just casually, but like, I'm going to, I'm going to just blow this out of the water. People can, people will not be able to stop walking down the street. They're going to have to come look at what I'm doing. And so she started making these watercolors and she would do barns and she would do through these pinks in there and like bright turquoises and everything was like cranked up the, the technicolor saturation stuff and not in like a tacky way. It was like more like a, Hey, these trees are vivid. They're not just a brown bark. If you go up and look at the bark of this tree, it's got purples and reds and little green lichens in it. I'm going to put those colors though in the forefront. And I want people to like stop and look at this. And so at the time, you know, in rural Virginia in the eighties, like nobody's right. doing that. And so people would be walking through and they would be like, that's Lisa Guyman's work. I love it. It's bold. Da, 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 da. You know, it's different. And, and, and she kind of created this brand for herself where she was the artist of colorful, like landscapes. There's some like really bold landscapes. So she kind of imparted that to me. Like, if you're going to, if you're going to do this, like it's a lot of artists right. out there. Like, what is it that you're doing that's going to set you apart? And so for me, I, I think about that all the time with the branding that we're doing. I'm like, okay, you know, I've created this line of these, these gals that I have now that people know about, you know, and I'm working in, I'm working in collage, but I'm not doing collage like necessarily like the way I learned it early on. Now I'm trying to do it where it's like super detailed and like, you know, you have to really get up close to see that it's collage. So I've got like a couple of things I'm working with. And I think that for me, I'm always trying to make sure that I, when, when I'm setting up a display or when I'm putting my work out in front of people that, that those things that I'm celebrating those things and I'm, I'm really like making those things yes. obvious. Like this is collage. You know, we have like little signs in our booth, like think this is a painting. It's not, it's paper. Like this is actually paper. Come look at this yes. paper, you know, like, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and like really like kind of. I don't want to say like hitting people over the head with it, but, but really just being like, like, Hey, cut, you're going to want to come look at this because this is, this right. is our brand. You know, this is our thing that we're doing. And, um, this is, this is what makes this unique. And I think that's kind of my goal when I set up a booth or when I try to make something like it's, it's been my goal all along to make sure that that, that element of the work is yes. stands out. Right. Yeah. And the storytelling. I think that's the thing that's helped unify the work as well. There's like an intrigue that I think obviously just like based on the medium wants to pull somebody in to understand just like mechanically how a piece like this has unfolded. Something atypical, something hidden at least in the layers of the papers that I think are like, huh, there's something there like that is encouraging the dialogue. It is this narrative quality to the work and the storytelling and that's something we try to keep center stage in our branding, you know, marketing, the storytelling, like artist, writer, rambler that helps with that, with that unity. And that comes Um, off as, as image too. Like even, even down to the way you dress too. I mean, it's all part of the booth. It's like, I feel like you fit into your work. You, I feel like you walk right out out (laughs) of one of your pieces. I I appreciate that, man. Yeah. And that's, again, going back to my mom, like that's a big thing too. Like so many lessons came from her. Like we were living in a rural area 
And her rule was, and this was something of the era too, but also, but her rule was like, I, I will never leave the house not looking like a million bucks. Wow. I won't do it. I yeah. won't fucking do it because I, like, I, yeah, we're in rural Virginia and I'm going to just see my same like redneck friends or whatever, but like, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to look like I just woke, woke up and got out of bed. That, that to me is not respectful to like anybody around me. And it also like isn't respectful to myself. Like I, I want to look like a million bucks because I feel like a million bucks. I want people to see that and I want them to always associate that with me. Like that was a huge lesson that stuck with me because it's like, like I love where I'm from. I love where I grew up. I love Virginia. I love Definitely. everything about it. But I also like, I, I love uh, the idea of like, hey, th- it doesn't take much to like put on a, a clean shirt and like comb your right. hair, put a nice hat on and create your image. Like you're, you're in charge of that as, as yeah. an individual, you know, like you can, you can create whatever image you want to. And it's like, that's, you own that, that's yours. And that is as artists, man, we can get away with all kinds of cool stuff. Like why would yeah. you not wear four ties and like no <laughs> shirt and just some underwear? Like what, why would yeah, you not you want to wear that? a pirate you know? shirt? And, like, and do you, I mean, man, to wear yeah, your pirate shirt all the time, yes. every day. I, I think it, a lot of folks that, on that, the circuit kind of, you know, we call it the circuit, but it's like a lot of folks don't yeah. really take advantage of it. And we sit in our chairs and we, kind of sit there in the last art show t-shirt that we you know that we were given for free and we're just kind of wait around wait around for the next passive sale to come into the booth it's a different business model and if that's yours it works freaking go with it who cares but it's like if you want to up your game a little bit i feel like you have to kind of do it on every front Yeah. yeah it doesn't take much again as an artist like you already have a lot going for you at these shows people are coming into the show whether they're like there to buy something or there to look around or whatever they did the hard part they got to the show they're there and you know i've been there i've been sitting back i'm like f this i did not want to be here right now like i want to be finishing that piece that i was thinking about or i want to be like eating a giant ice cream cone riding a dinosaur (laughs) like a million things i want to be doing rather than sitting here talking to these people but then at the same time like they did the hard part they're they they made it out of their house they pulled themselves away from their phones their tv their children or whatever coming to walk around to look at your artwork and it's like that's the hard part i think and and now what you have to do is you get to be on stage for 30 seconds for half an hour like you get to be the performer god who doesn't love that who doesn't want to be a performer for like just a little bit you know like that's part of it man and 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 i think the thing that we all know this that no one teaches you in school maybe they're teaching you now i don't know but no one teaches you like hey you want to be an artist you need to be a salesman saleswoman, whatever, front and foremost, you got to be able to sell your stuff, right. you know, and it's like, and then there's all the things, right, that, that, that come with that. And I think with that, though, like, I, I think, it, it, okay, I get it, like, you're a shy person, like, this is uncomfortable, and something that I am not nearly the person, the performer that Dolan is, but just, you know, okay, so, like, have the discipline before you get yeah. to the show to, like, to actually write out, I mean, maybe it feels goofy, but, like, start practicing a couple questions to just ask a patron or like you have a new body of work. Okay. Like what are, what is your elevator pitch? Do you have your elevator pitch ready? Cause like you said, sometimes you have 30 seconds to just really hone in on like, what is great yeah. about this collection? What do I want to convey? Right. And, you know, and, and make sure you're showing people that like, you know, you're, you're directing the conversation there. Or, or if you are shy, maybe you say, Hey, best friend, who's really yeah. like, outgoing like you want to come sit at the show with me and like talk to some people and bring that person along have them help you with the sales have them at least be the greeter 
And then yeah. that looks really cool as a as a patron. You're showing up, and then someone else is greeting. You're like, oh, well, the artist is in the back. Like they're, you know, like <laughs> let me see if they're available right now. You know, like there's you can you can play that up. You know, you can like you can make that work to your advantage. Yeah. Do you don't feel like that? And I know you've worked with people with sales before in your booth, and uh, you have space to do that. Do you feel like it ever cramps your style a little bit? Like, I'm, I, are people going to be like, I don't know, I've got my own thing. I don't know if I want somebody in here like talking. You mean you mean like having having a friend or somebody come with you? Yes. Um, yes. Like, how do you kind of train them yeah, to I, to help? I you? think first and foremost. You find somebody who likes your work or, or at least understands it and you can explain it to them, is, is happy talking to people. Nice. So that person can be like, I want you to look for people like the icebreaker question might be like a, a question that's like really gets to the point of the matter. Like, hey, are you not, don't ask them this, but like, hey, are you here to buy something or are you here to chat? Like, you know, like you got to figure out that question, right? Like we always, <laughs> you gotta, we all yeah. have that. And so maybe that person can kind of help break the ice, help direct the more serious clients to you. Alan Rand, I've had to do this, you know, many times where she's like, Hey, I can help you with that. Let's walk over here or whatever. And let me show you. Da, da, da. And meantime, it leaves me to like swim over, hang out with the person who's more serious or whatever. Or they, they see me standing there and they're like, Oh, this, this other person's out of the way. Now I can come talk to you. It feels a little bit more private. And now you and I can talk about something serious. Right. Um, yeah. I think it's, I mean, honestly, I've always marveled at folks like Daryl that can somehow do these shows by themselves. Like, and well, well, yeah. Well, you're. I yeah, I I made a big mistake in Texas <laughs> this year. Yeah, I mean, I needed, it's just, I needed help. Yeah, you need help. I mean, just like the one was saying, the many times of like, it's challenging because somebody will travel quite far t- that has just followed along fan, online fan. for quite some time, and it, it it's like yeah. that's a valuable space of conversation, but it can be hard. Then it's how you honor both of those patrons in your booth simultaneously. Right. It's really hard so i think a second person in our case like fort worth we had three of us that was yeah. felt actually really necessary at certain moments at fort worth so it was really nice or even just to be able to take a five minute break here and right. there just to clear I would your head and... this too when i'm like i don't want to be in the situation where serious client walks in they're surfing around they're shark in the booth they're just kind of swimming and you're like they're serious right. they're gonna buy something i've got to be available when they're ready to take the chomp and what yeah. always happens? Always it happens. Oh my God! You're about ready to go up to him, and in swims little little fish right in between the two. Hey, uh, can you tell me about this piece? Like I love it. I'm an artist, and you're like, God, I want to talk to you. You're you're, on, you're yeah. important, but the big shark's ready to take a giant bite out of my work. You know, like <laughs> all right. And, and it always ha- it always seems to happen. And, and then you, yeah. for me, I'm the type of person where I'm like, I don't want to look like an asshole. And not talk to this exactly. really excited young artist, but I kind of need to sell a piece to this giant client. So I'm like, uh, yeah. so I, so, so I end up talking so to the young artist, and then I'm like the you know the client's like, I'll be back, and you're like, oh my god, what an idiot! I shouldn't have uh, let them walk away. So so having two or two right. or three people, you know, it, depending it, on the show, depending on the show, on the show. Is, is super oh, helpful. Yeah. I mean, the mass you volume. Know. You're talking. I mean, Fort Worth is a different beast. Sun Valley. Yes, I feel like you're right. You can do it on your own. Um, yeah. but, but then even again, any show, man, any show, I, I still think any show, if you, if you at least have one other person there, yeah, that's true. You can give them that look and be like, you need to please like, it's like, it's like you're at a club and like, Hey man, get this guy out of here. Like, you know, like, yeah, like the like code words, yeah. you know, yeah, like I get, if I wink twice in my left eye and like, pull, you know, it's like baseball <laughs> signs, like pull my ear, 
we literally do that. I'll be like, if you see me pull the ear, you gotta <laughs> right. come swoop in and get this person out of yeah. here. And it's not like, oh, I, I'm too good to talk to people. It's like, no, I, I gotta sell this thing right now because as resources, no way, yeah. it is. It's like as you, as we all know, it's one of these shows. The time between not making a sale and making a sale can be like two seconds. You know. Where that client's like, absolutely, oh, yeah, and it's I could buy a painting or eat. A you sandwich. mentioned the shark, but it's it is a lot. I mean, you and I both do some fishing, and it is a lot <laughs> like fishing. And yeah. it's like those big ones; they're circling the booth, and you're oh, kind of like, do. okay, when am I going to reel it in? Oh. And then you got Jimmy comes in and starts slapping on the oh, water. Tell me about the print. I like this print. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> right? Somebody get Jimmy out of here. <laughs> Yeah. Water so, yeah. It's right. It's so like you've that. got the guy, and and you're you, and when you're looking for somebody, if you're hiring somebody yeah. to come along for the weekend, if you're uh, getting a friend to come along for the weekend, they've got to love your work. They've got to be able to talk to people like personable people, yeah. dress nice, um, and just kind of be picking up on the cues. Yeah. And, I'll, and I'll give a little tip here too to people if they're like, I don't know anybody like that. I don't have any friends. It's like, great. You don't have to have friends. It doesn't matter. Sometimes artists don't have friends. You know, a lot of cities now have the cool, like, little, oh, this is an upscale area or this is a fun area. Go to some of those shops and watch some of the people who are in retail and hire them. Say, hey, yeah. you're awesome. I love what you're doing in here. You're you're young. You're excited. You're happy, whatever. Or even if you're not young, you're like, but you're professional. And, man, you have a smile on your face. And, like, would you be willing to come do an art show with me and I'll trade you some artwork or we can figure out something? And nine, yeah. nine times out of ten, they're going to say, that sounds awesome. I'd love to work in art fairy. What is that all yeah. about? And you're like, well, you just do what you just did. I saw you crush it. And it's like easier than ever with like our gig economy. It now totally I think people is. are like, yeah, like the yeah. side hustle. Like people are much more like, yeah, we'll just like set that up on TaskRabbit and just like do a couple hour gig thing. Like, cool. You know, yeah. makes, it makes it's a, the, the pitch yeah. is all the easier now. I think with it's that. Like, even the dialogue, do. like hiring gig workers totally. is yeah. like just, just even that is seems like something that's new in the last couple it of is. years. Yeah. Just the yeah. way. What, what yeah. I don't do anymore because we've been burned so many times is I don't hire people off Craigslist and I would not advise okay. that. Like you want to, yeah. you want to know this person at least a little bit before you have them come into your booth and help you for the weekend because I, we have right. been burned with some like, I mean, oh, you're yeah. talking also the distinction just, of somebody that's just helping with like load in, load yeah, out. Yeah. But like even a, that just like yeah, just hiring people that you're like, what, where did this person come from? Like, this isn't seriously this is not helpful. So like, you know, yeah. going out, like I said, in your area, find somebody that you think like, hey, I would buy from them, you know. And do you bring them on the road? Do you get them, do you like, they'll travel with you and stuff too? I think or it depends. You, yeah, I, a, think, I think yes. Okay. Yeah, you can. I think, um, yeah. I, like, I would say do it at like a show where you feel like maybe it's not your biggest show, but it's like a show where if you're, if you're, if you're just truly trying this out, if you're like, I've only ever worked by myself. Try it out like a medium level show. I would say it's, it's okay to, to say, I'm going to give you a plane ticket to fly down and do the show with me. Here's all the details. Give them all the details. Here's what you got to show up here. Got your hotel, whatever. I mean, I know that sounds extravagant, but it's really not when it comes to the fact that like they might be helping you make some really solid sales, you know? Yeah. I mean, if it makes sense for you. Now, if it's a local show, great. Be like, hey, can you come help me out at whatever, you know, Cherry Creek? And here's what I need you to be there like an hour early because I want to make sure that you help me like open the booth up and you can see the stuff. I want to show you my work and kind of give you a little spiel. And you may end up hiring them like as a part-time assistant to come with you to a lot of shows. They may end up being really yeah. cool. And, and yeah. I'm finding that that happens a lot more and more for people that I know. They're like, it's really helpful as a, an artist business owner to have some sales help. 
it's crucial. Yeah. It's so crucial. Oh, yeah. It's so crucial. Also, I mean, thinking about something way back when Chris Dahlquist was talking and talking about uh, if you're a retail shop that's only open six weekends out of the year, milk that weekend for everything it's worth. You know, yeah. why show yeah, up if you're not going to pick it up? Yeah. Yeah. You know, don't leave anything on the table. Right. Pick it all up. And th- then those folks are helping you do it. So, right. And I think that's like the lessons of where I think every art fair artist has to figure out what that frequency is to be able to to do that very thing, you know, to maximize the show potential. Because I think we've all witnessed, you know, colleagues on the circuit, you're like, you're stretched too thin. Like, yeah. you're, you're, you know, you can, and it's just the reality, like you can only show up about at like a 60 to 70% level mm-hmm. because of the number of shows that you're doing, you right. know. Or the amount that you're drinking afterwards. Well, <laughs> I mean, that. it's, you know, I mean, so... <laughs> You gotta show up when you're ready. It's like, yeah, well, and it's, it's yeah, show up like, and, and yeah. do the job. Segway, yeah. but like, but it, it's easy to get into this place of being like, I'm on vacation. I'm not in my hometown. Mm-hmm. This isn't a yeah. real job. And it's like, well, this is where you could possibly be making like a lot of your income. <laughs> you know, hopefully yes. all of your income. But like, yeah. you know, and and so like you said, when you show up to the show, like this is your job. You get there early. You make sure everything's perfect. Yeah. If it's not perfect, you fix it, you do your tinker. And a lot of artists know this and they do this, but it's like yeah. after the show, maybe you don't go out and have a drink. And it's so easy for all of us old, old heads. We're like, oh yeah, man, like that's what we want to do because we did it though. We've done this for so many years. But like sometimes I'm like, yeah, you know, I think. Let's do follow-ups. Yeah. Now. We, we are the nerds that sometimes will be like, yeah, we're not going to go socialize with our artists. We're not going to go drink. We're not going to go do this. We're just going to go back to the hotel room where we literally will sit there and like, pull out pads and pull out receipts from the day and go, okay, remember this person? Yeah. Like we need to make sure we send them an email. Let's go ahead and shoot that out now and say, Hey, great to see you today. That was awesome. Like blah, blah, blah. And so we'll end up doing that for a couple hours and then not all the time, you know, we're not, we're not getting the gold star every time, but like, I think a lot of times we do say like, let's do this while it's fresh. I don't know if other people get this, but I am just like exuberant. I'm like, hell yeah. I made it through the show. I'm done. Drinks are on me, you know, and I'm like, I'm driving yeah. down the interstate. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to stop at this park. I'm going to get on the You know, I'm like so excited to be done with like the job for the weekend. And Alan Marie's like, yeah, that's cool. My job just started again because I got to go put all this information <laughs> in. And like, so, so she and I are like totally different after a show. She's like, please don't talk yeah. to me like for like two days. It's different. Dragon in the hole. Oh, yeah. I'm just gonna it say. is like a full on. <laughs> well, that's. I am a. You're yeah, also introvert, a... extrovert too, right? I mean, you've got the, your Allie Marie leaves; she's completely depleted, and Dolan yeah. leaves, and he's completely charged up. Like, this is my marriage, yeah. too. Right? Like Susie is just like all those people did for me all weekend was take oh, and yeah. take and take. I was like, all they did this weekend was give yeah, and give yeah, and give. Yeah. You know, I'm just pumped up. Yeah, and it's, fired up. Let's go make some more artwork. Yeah. Let's do it again next weekend. It's like, <laughs> right. I hate everyone. No, I yeah. literally have to go sit in like a quiet space and just be like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. <laughs> but, but also, the whole point of what you're doing too is you're like, I can't celebrate right now. Now it's go time. Now we, we did the show. We did the first couple parts of our job and now i've got to do the other parts of our job which is like i want to make sure that all this information that we garnered what we were talking about earlier like email us whatever i gotta make sure that that while i'm fret i mean tired but fresh yeah i've got to get that information into a safe space i gotta go put it in the safety deposit box which is my computer i gotta get all the information in there and that's why like we so we used to drive together to shows which is a horrible idea if you're married 
But, um, <laughs> you know, 20 hours in a van sounds great oh, for yeah. one year. Oh, uh, yeah. We did it for so long. And then now, you know, after a while, Alan Marie was like, hey, no offense. I'm not riding in a van with you for 17 hours. I've got to get my shit done. I'm going to, I'm flying back to Chicago or to Denver and I'm going to make sure I get home and go right to work, straight to the office, straight to her desk, getting all the work done so that we can be successful in the next round or like we can make sure we get emails out to people. And that makes a, an incredible amount of sense, but I want people to leave this talk kind of psyched to get to work. I'm not married to an Ally Marie. Yeah, I, right. It's all, this is a one man yeah. show. We got two one person shows here at the house yeah. and yeah. most people are, are a one person show. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's almost baby steps as far as, as this goes. Yeah. How do you, yeah. how do you get people psyched to do that sure. if they're, if they're just doing it by themselves? Yeah. And I would just say like, for me, so, so the way I think about it is like, this is a great time. Like you just got the info, you got the gold. Let's go write yeah. all this stuff down. So it's baby steps. If you're by yourself, you don't have an hour where you don't have a partner, you don't have someone helping you out, go back to your room, order some takeout, chill out, put some tunes on and look through your receipts. Look at those notes and go, okay, that's good. I'm going to, I want to send myself an email with like these five notes on it. It's so hard to do this, but it's so yeah. valuable, right? So then you send that email to yourself. Great. Now I can go and if I want to go have a drink with my buddy down the bar, that's fine. I've, 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 put, I've done my work in for the evening. Right. That, that Monday following the show is when it's like very crucial. Monday or the Tuesday. It's got to be the first two days after the show where you go back and you say, okay, before I even unload my van, I wanna, I'm going to go into the coffee shop and sit down or go into the house and sit down. Make yourself write five to ten notes from the show. Even if you didn't sell a single piece, fine. You still got information from people. Two months later... Maybe it's the holidays are approaching and you're like, man, I want to do a lot of email blast. I'm glad I wrote down all their emails because now I can email right. all. You know, it's like it can be as simple as that. Yeah. I mean, I'm we're we're a whole other thing, but like you are. I mean, you're kind of you're a machine and, and it's it's been years of of trying to figure out your your roles and, mm -hmm. and trying to figure out how to hone that machine. Yeah. And so it can be intimidating to talk to uh just the finished product right, or the right. product at, at it as it is right now sure. uh, for some people. So I just kind of wanted to get a little bit of yeah, a, that's fair, man. Um, that's fair. A toehold. Um, even I will say this too. Like this is another good like nerdy way to do it. But you know, if you have an iPhone or whatever, like just doing a recording yeah. as you're driving, like just set it on your dash, capture that info, capture it while you're in the zone. Right? It's like absolutely. Who's gonna remember? A week from then or two months you know some people go show to show and they're like uh, i don't oh I, I remember that piece somebody was looking at that and i should have written that down or i should have done this so yeah, yeah. yeah. document yes. document yeah yeah i keep a thing on my phone with the notes in the notes uh, no, folder sure. uh, yeah. I'll, I'll type them out and i just keep them going i've got a whole list of, yeah. of art ideas and you know 80 percent of them might be crap but i'll be like oh we'll yeah now's 20. the time to go back to do that right and you were talking about keeping those ideas for so long and i, I almost i don't know I, I try to give myself a little bit of a break on those and be like you know what i was working on it i was working on it for, for five years in my head yeah. now i'm ready yeah you know it's like now's the time and to do it what's funny okay what's funny about that is like ten, five years ago a year ago ten years ago you do this idea and then you look at it later like, I don't know if that was such a great idea. But then like, there's always an audience for that idea. You know, you can probably yeah. run it through the vehicle that you are right now and be like, okay, I'm going to take that from the idea that I wrote down in my notes on my phone or whatever. Two years later, like now, now I know what I need to do to that. Now I need to give it some wings and then, and then really can roll with it, you know? Exactly. Yeah, we... 
Dolan and I have kind of put together like a, a, a phrase for some of his ideas because obviously he's the ideas guy, you know. I mean, yeah. and actually, we're doing ideas. Yeah, that is a shocker, right? Um, we're doing like a strategic plan for ourselves right now, like trying to write out like year two, year five. But um, just to further alienate ourselves from all the other people listening to this. Yeah, do you have a, yeah. Are you writing a strategic plan? Good. Um, no, but uh, part of this is understanding like the different. The, just how much of an ideas guy that he is and that I am not where I'm headed with this is just like, uh, I start to like shut down sometimes with this idea. So, but mm-hmm. we developed this term parking lot for, for and this is actually appropriating from the founder of scratch labs. Um, Alan here in, uh, Boulder. Uh, yeah, who, who actually, I think also maybe borrowed it from manager tools. It may have, but, uh, Alan used to okay. be like Lance Armstrong's trainer. Like he's a big guy, like here okay. in he's Boulder awesome. in the cycling community. Super but, smart uh, guy. Okay. This is in the realm of parking lot so that when you do go through your iPhone notes, you can pull up all parking lot ideas, like quickly okay. pull those up and just as an opportunity, like sometimes just the importance of getting them out. And then I think allowing them to be voiced, you know, and I think sometimes at the shows, like when you're just sitting there looking at your booth, like you're like, oh my gosh, why don't I do X, Y, Z? But then you get back home and get too busy. But like, if you would just put down some of these, these ideas. So, and I find all that I now, like, are we going to like look at some of these parking lot ideas together? Like I'm feeling like, let's, let's try to manifest one of these for, for fourth quarter. Like what one of these feels, feels right to try to bring shape to. Yeah. And it can be anything like, like, I'm sure a lot of artists are like this. Like I'll, I'll be driving down the road. I'm like, oh my God, I got to make this piece, right? Well, that's an easy one. Like put that in the parking lot and just type right. it in there. But there's other things too, where it's like people will just casually say this stuff to us at our fair. Oh, you should put your artwork on clothing. You're like, yeah, how the F am I going to do that? Like, do you have somebody? Are you a clothing designer? Like, did it that? So like, those are the ideas but too. But actually, like an identifying that, like, do do you want that? Right. Like, is that something that is of interest to you? Right. And then okay. yeah. if it is, put it in the parking lot and like, be like, put okay, that's lot. something that's, you know, and then when you go back, like every couple months, be like, I'm going to just, I want to scroll through these parking lot ideas. Like, okay, make this new piece with yellow instead of red. Okay. That's doable. And like, oh, make clothing. with That's a, that's a whole other thing. Like, I don't even, <laughs> yeah, that's you know, not. like, unless someone comes into my life, I don't know that I want to get into that right now. Okay, cool. It's in the parking lot. It's where it's going to stay. Just sitting there. Yeah. And then you go down the list and you might find a few little like nuggets in there. You're like, you know, it's just weird, sure. weird little ideas, but, but it's, it gives it a space. And for me, like having so many ideas, and I know a lot of artists like this, like having so many ideas all the time, it's a little overwhelming. You just talk and you're like, well, no, I'm putting it in a place and maybe I'll have time to revisit that later. And I guess the final part of that is like, you know, also realizing too, like, okay, identifying those people that maybe you do need to add to your team or to like your consultant base or the context that you have to, to actualize some of those things. Because part of that stuff for, for Alan at Scratch Labs is that like he implements none of these ideas. That is a whole other team. Wow. Yeah. That's a dream. That's a dream, right? He's like, mic drop. All right. Get it I done. The ideas, but they recognize right. like, I mean, his ideas are, are, are brilliant. And, you know, Dolan and I have been thinking a lot about that as well. Like he recognizing that that is one of his greatest strengths is is the ideas. And I think as creatives, that is like your strength. The skill set like that I bring to the table and that others bring to the table is is the implementation. Right. But that could be like a, a wide variety of, of people. And we are like working on expanding our, I don't know, Rolodex. <laughs> like that's very dated. Yeah. So to speak, though, of like how do we, we need more people in like, we need higher level, like uh, legal assistance. We need higher level financial assistance. We're at that point of like, and adding those people to our, our arsenal so that 
we can bring more of these things forth. And it's not like, it's not realistic to think that an artist should be doing all these roles. It's just not, it's not possible, you know, to, to do this. And so that's something that we're identifying like need sets through more consultants for us so we can do more and more of these things like, like the clothing idea and stuff like that. Just getting that idea in the works is really exciting. And and knowing that there's someone that can like, you can kind of hand that to and go, look, my goal was not to make a million bucks on this thing. I just want to see it brought to fruition. And it's hard for me to know as a visual artist, how to bring this to fruition, right? Like I want to, we don't have to reinvent the wheel, right? Uh, The wheel's already been invented. Uh, People already know how to do that. So why not ask the person or, or hire the person that knows how to do it? Right. Yeah. That that applies to a lot of the different aspects of it. The big part of like, not for me, at least I get overwhelmed sometimes when I have a bunch of ideas that I think are fantastic. I'm like, this is, these are great. These are all these ideas are great. This parking lot's full of a brilliant ideas. <laughs> you know, like, I just can't wait to high dollar just, parking. I can't lot. wait for the parking lot to just become its own thing. That's the parking lot is definitely coming into, uh, that's, that's entering the chat. As far as my <laughs> wife and I go, that's, she's like, baby, could you just put it in the parking yeah, lot? That's right. It's gotta go. I mean, the thing is, that doesn't make the ideas any less valuable. Like we are nothing Definitely. without ideas as artists. We're nothing, you know? And, but we just, we need, we don't operate like everybody, you know, our ideas right. are, are our, like our caffeine, our fuel. And so we're like, ah, but sometimes it can be too much caffeine, too much fuel. Right. And so that's, I think the, the, the parking lot place is like, it's really safe for us to have that. It is. It's very healthy. Man. You guys have been incredible. Thank you so much for your generosity with your time and your information. I mean, we've had a great chat, but is there anything you want to talk about that we didn't touch? I mean, I think I just want to impart to people too. Like if, if you were, I mean, I know there's a lot of like artists who've been on the circuit for a while that listen to this and that like, you know, are doing a lot of these things that we're doing in their own way. And everybody, everybody's got their own tactics and stuff. And I think if you're, if you are a little bit younger and you're kind of just getting in the zone and you're like, I just started doing this stuff. Like, you know, just know that like we have done this for a very long time and we had to figure a lot of stuff out, but artists are always willing. I think if you have friends or artists, our artists are always willing to like share stuff with you and you, and, you know, just yeah. talk to more artists. If you don't, don't feel intimidated, you know, like it's, this can be a very lucrative career and it can be a very like a challenging career at the same time. And so it's like, it's, it's nice to like know that there are a lot of artists who are willing to share and to help out. So don't, yes. Like, don't feel like you can't talk to other artists and, and ask. You know. Yeah. And sometimes there are artists like you guys that you, you might be intimidated to think that they might not share. You know, it's like, oh, they're, they're, they've got their own thing going. It's like, no, they're, they're running back to the room to go write all this shit down. Yeah, basically. So we don't forget. <laughs> Very forgetful. Yeah. Right. We're just revealing our aging process. We're like, I got to get this out. What? What are we just talking about? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, dude, thanks so much, uh, man. I appreciate your time. I know it was like a little bit longer, but I, thanks. For letting us no, not at all. Bit. I mean, I, I seriously, we could we could have gone on forever, and and, and uh, I mean, I, we really did, we didn't get to talk about QuickBooks. I'm kind of upset about that. <laughs> That's next next yeah. episode. You're breaking up. We got to go. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, uh, dude, thanks again. Best yeah. of luck at Old Town. Uh, thank you so much. I love you guys. I really really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, right. well, it was fun. definitely. Yeah. Talk to you soon. Amazing talk with these guys. I love Dolan and Allie Marie and what they had to say. uh, I'm going to be picking up some of their new tips. That's for sure. Pick up the pieces. Yeah, for sure. And you do have to remember that this is two people that are just as invested in the artwork that have very defined 
roles. Yeah. It's like it's it. And that's what I loved about it. But it's it, it is not necessarily applicable to everyone. No. But when when Allie Marie said she met Dolan and she where they kind of met up on that intensity level, you can totally see that in their talk where his passion and intensity for being creative really matches her passion and intensity for the business side. And you put those two pieces together and you've got yourself a perfect pairing. You really do. It's uh, it's inspiring, and um, has my wife and I sitting here got lucky. All right, which one of us is going to quit? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> who's going to be the one who's going to pull up the ideas from the parking lot? I'm, I love uh-huh. that the parking lot. Put it in the parking lot. <laughs> we are definitely putting some ideas in the parking lot. Maybe we should do that, Douglas. Oh, I've hey, I've already got ideas <laughs> in the parking lot. Uh. <laughs> Put it in the parking lot, pal. Parking lot. Hey, Shut so next parking the parking lot for next week. We've got the next episode. I sat down and I talked with Michelle Delgado. Mm. Um, totally cool guy. Amazing! I can't wait to hear that talk. I, I he, he was my neighbor at a show last summer, and and I really enjoyed. Um, again, just kind of his presence as well, and and uh, he's definitely got a feel about his whole body of work, and then he's got a presence about his booth and just his entire personality. So can't wait for that talk as well. It's kind of like the it's a perfect like foil to this week. This week, you know, you've got the ultra creative Dolan, and you've got the very business focused. Ali Marie. And Michel, he says he is all about the experience. He calls himself a visionary artist. So he gets himself into a state, kind of a spiritual state, and the images come to him as he creates. It's a real intuitive kind of creative process. It's different than any other talks I've had, and I'm really, really happy to share that next week. So so check that one out, everyone. Yeah, I'm excited for people to hear that. Kind of the yin and the yang of the art show world, totally. really. You've got the super hyper focused and then he is hyper focused but it's more on the creative line of it and if you've got if if he has what you want then you buy it and that's it and walk away it's done Mm -hmm. totally hey one thing i wanted to say about dolan and ally marie their process that I had never, ever considered is I've always been really diligent about collecting the emails, but I always put them in like a location container. Like this is my Chicago emails and this is my blah, blah, blah. And as we're traveling more and more and I'm seeing the same people at multiple regions throughout the country, it never occurred to me to start categorizing people by their interests, which bodies of work they like of, of ours. And organizing them that way, it's like mind-blowing. I mean, honestly, for me, business-related, mind-blowing. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is kind of a wake-up call to me because we do have collectors who, you know, I do sell a series of reproductions and some of my customers are only about the reproductions. Mm-hmm. And it's it's pretty amazing to see their wall of of my work, you know, okay. if they're collecting. we You know, that's pretty awesome. but. They're never going to be necessarily interested in an original because that's what they're collecting. Yeah. Or people, I've, I've found that the original folks aren't necessarily ever, ever interested in, in the reproduction. That- right, but you can craft your marketing towards those people. You're not going to offer them a discounted sale on on a prints, for example, if you know sure. that's not even their interest. It's like then right. it's like... Like she said, being very intentional about the marketing, only presenting these people with what pertains. That's that's kind of the thing. Otherwise, they'll just kick us out and say, I'm sick of getting emails from this guy if, if it doesn't pertain. 
Exactly. I feel like that's the one thing we try to do is to never bore our customers. Mm -hmm. And and with those emails and if you have them as as focused as you can be, you'll you'll keep them on board and stay away from those unsubscribes. (laughs) And that's the thing we're like, I don't want to email too much because then they unsubscribe for me. Then it's like, well, then why do we even have the list? Why why do we have the list if we're not ever going to want to send them emails? So we have to figure out how to use that information to our benefit. That's right. Yeah, I got a I got an email yesterday from the NAIA at one of our big sponsors. Yeah, that yeah. I uh, was not able to hit a board meeting, and and I um I had I had written unsubscribe to Diane, who was reminding me of the board. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, just hit her with an unsubscribe. <laughs> and I was like, I asked I had to ask my wife. I'm like, she's my she's my um. It's like you got the id, the ego, and the superego. She's kind of the superego on that one. I was like, should I send that? Is that funny? She was like, it's funny to me. (laughs) And you're like, you're not helping. (laughs) I know you find me funny, but is this person going to find me funny? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Not not always. Not always. We've we've learned that the hard way. (laughs) All right. Well, everyone, thanks for listening this week. And uh, we'll see you down at the next one. Thanks, Doug. We'll see you. All right. Bye, Will. This podcast is brought to you by the National Association of Independent Artists. The website is naiaartists.org. Also sponsored by Zapplication. That's zapplication.org. And while you're at it, check out Will's website at willarmstrongart.com and my website at sigwithglass.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and be notified when we release new episodes. 